Welcome to Career Tools. Today's topic, audiovisual equipment usage, part two. And before we go on, if you haven't listened to last week's show, which is part one of the series, you might want to do so before going on with this one. With that warning, here we go with this week's show. Now, career tools and manager tools, we, we really like flip charts for smaller meetings. Yes. Small defines the majority of presentations that I think most professionals, our listeners, have to make. Yeah, I think 10, you know, 10 to 15 is probably, when I think of small, I think, you know, 5, 10, 15, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah and, you know, and, and often flip charts don't take the place of the slides, but they're handy. And using them creates the immediacy and intimacy and the ability to capture ideas in visual recordings that really make it worth having them. And frankly, if you want to see an example of how to use them effectively, just come to one of our conferences. Right. I, 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 um, we're not suggesting that you can choose slides or flip charts. We're not. We know that most managers, most often, they're going to be asked to have slides. We understand that. Um, uh, and what that means is you don't have to get rid of flip charts. Flip charts can be useful. Now, the room may be too small. Um, but what we'd like to suggest is flip charts really have value and every professional ought to know how to use them. And so that's why we're adding this to the, to our longer piece. I think this probably will be shorter, our longer piece on slides. Good. Now, one of the things about flip charts is like, like slides, it really pays to prepare them in advance and write neatly on them. Yeah. Too many managers when faced with a chance to capture something without having prepared, oops, no rehearsal, just grab whatever easel is there and then write in front of everybody and probably feel like eyes are boring into the back of their, into their back. And so they, they do it messy. And, and we recommend getting a pad of flip chart paper in advance. When we travel to conferences or to clients, we always ask for flip chart paper in the room the night before in the hotel room, prepare it the night before. We urge you, those of you who are doing all-day meetings to post your agenda on the wall on flip chart paper so it stays visible. Too many of us have gotten in a bad habit of putting a slide into putting an agenda slide into the slides, which is worthless after the slide is gone because they can't look at it. You can't look at it the rest of the right. day. And people think, believe me, folks, people think that when you put an agenda slide up there, the moment you let it go, you don't want people to see it for the rest of the day. And you're not going to adhere to it if it doesn't serve your purposes. And what that proves is you're not rehearsed. And we've been giving, I mean, you and I have been giving presentations for years together and separately. And we post our agendas and we meet them. And it's, it's, it's not that you're going to be wrong. It's, it's going to, it's going to help you be more effective and groups that you can start at eight in the morning and finish at five and be a minute or two over a minute or two short. People are impressed by that. And I can't tell you how many day long presentations I've gone to that at three 30 or four o'clock, some presenter said, you know, we're supposed to be done at four 30. They said, well, we only have two more hours. Hope nobody minds. My God, you mean you literally can't manage time any better than that? How should we assume that you're so brilliant that we should be following your recommended ideas in this thing? So yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, in addition to preparing the agenda then and posting it, right? So not having it on the slides, but posting on 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 the flip chart, is you gotta prepare ahead of time, right? You just can't walk up into to do a presentation and then just grab whatever flip chart happens to be nearby. Just like the presentation requires a little bit of forethought. So we're talking about preparing 
the night before generally, key talking points, the agenda we already talked about, right. ground rules, purpose, introductions. If you if you go through the introduction exercise that we highly recommend but hate, brainstorming sheets for breakout sessions, really anything you need during the the presentation or the meeting that you can prepare ahead of time, you're much better yeah. off. Yeah. Instructions for role plays or something like that, or for for interactive sessions or for sessions where there's going to be breakouts or whatever. Putting instructions on the wall and being able to point to them saves time. As it put, because if people have to refer to something and you've written it quickly, they're not going to be able to read it. And if you do it the night before, then you're not rushed, and you can do it neatly. You can write neatly, and which for me, frankly, is really, really hard. And one of the things I do is actually get the, you know, the, the flip chart paper that has the, the light blue lines that grid on it. Yeah, exactly. That is yeah. a huge help for me in terms of writing neatly. Yeah. And you have to be very careful. Some people say, well, if I'm going to put paper up, I'm going to have to tape it up or I'm going to have to use post-it notepads. The post-it notepads, folks, we don't recommend because they're smaller. And if you stick them together, they don't come apart easily. They work real well if you're just going to take one off the thing and stick it on the wall and leave it there. Um, but that generally is somewhat less likely than having to use them in a number, having to take them up and put them down and so on. So we recommend not using uh, sticky paper. Or, uh, the post-it note stuff, the ones with the self-adhesive backing, but rather uh, just using masking tape on the walls. And by the way, Horstman's Law of Hotel Venues, if you're going to get there two hours in advance, most everything is going to be okay. But if you get there 15 minutes in advance, it's going to be a disaster. And so if you think you can prepare your flip charts the morning of going down a half an hour before and there will be nothing wrong with the room, the room will be a disaster. It won't be the way you want it. Never present in a room that is not the way you want it. Hopefully you've thought about room setup before, which reminds me, Mike, we need to add that to our list of presentation topics, which is how to set up a common meeting room, right? For oh, a presentation, good, yeah. right? Don't assume it's going to be right. And, uh, you know, if you're down there two hours in advance, it'll be close and you only have a half hour of work, but you show up down there half an hour before and you'll have two hours worth of work. Don't do it. Do it the night before. <laughs> One small point we got to point out when it comes to flip charts, they don't work terribly well in very large groups. So really, we're talking, really, we're talking about using them for groups that are, you know, 50 or smaller. Yeah, if it's bigger than 50, you're going to have a problem with, with people in the back of the room not seeing it. You just, yeah, you can't. So, yeah, 50 or smaller. And really, frankly, 25 or smaller. We can do it in 50 and people can see, but we've been doing this a while and we write big and and we write in block letters that makes it easier for people from far distances and so on. So, right, caution. You know, we're not saying you don't use them at all in large groups. I mean, we do we do presentations of you know, hundred and more. And we use flip charts. And for example, we put the, we just talked about putting the agenda. Up. So if you're gonna put the agenda up on a flip chart and you have a presentation with a group of a hundred or two hundred people, that just means more even copies. More, you have to work right. the night before. You have to create multiple copies of the agenda and post them throughout the room so everybody can see them. Yeah. So you might have for a group of 200, you might have four copies, right? In fact, they're generally a, a one copy per 50 in, typical, in terms of a standard meeting room where you've got some sort of theater or classroom style. Yeah, one, one copy of anything that's going to be up all day, like agenda purpose. Uh, not ground rules, because you do those the, the presenta during the presentation, but, but agenda and purpose, um, definitely you want one copy per 50. Good. Now, when you use the easel, we recommend that you put it in the center of the room. 
Now we go back. We said, "Well, Mark, Mike, we you said we couldn't, you know, we couldn't stand in front of the projector. So you're going to turn the projector off when you're right. when you're using the easel. So what that means is you're going to turn the projector off. You're going to get the easel and you're going to pull the easel from the side of the room, generally or in the back, wherever you have it, and you're going to move it to the center of the room. You're going to use it. You're right? going to mute the projector. You're going to use it, and then when you're done, you're going to move it back out. Yes, exactly. It takes that extra second, but it totally highlights." what you're going to be doing. And again, if, it, if you're using slides as well, it's another chance, chance to de-emphasize those darn slides. Uh, don't leave the flip chart on the side of the room in order to save time or to have it way back away from everybody. Bring it right up to the front. Bring it right in front of everybody. Have everybody focus on you interacting with them and capturing notes or what have you or, or doing your little diagram so that everybody can see it. Uh, in fact, we recommend sometimes creating a diagram real time rather than having it on a slide so that people can interact with you and you can point it out rather than using your laser pointer and again, making it all about the slides. If you leave them on the side of the room, it actually de-emphasizes what you're doing, again, at the expense of your slides. Good. Now, since we're talking about using easels, we've got to talk a little bit about how to use them effectively. So we have an easel. You're going to write on it. Right. There's a lot of, I've heard it every which way in terms of which side of the easel to stand on. If you're right-handed, you stand on the left side. If you're right-handed, you stand on the right side. So tell us. Yeah. Guru, presentation guru, what is it? <laughs> From the audience's perspective, right-handed presenters should stand to the left of the slide to write on the slide. And the reason why, look, first of all, the problem starts with people saying, oh, you know, you're not supposed to stand in front of your visual aid or you're not supposed to face your visual aid. And we've talked about that a little bit ago. People just don't understand the rule. And, and they also have heard our third point today, which is, you know, gesture with your nearer hand. But people end up behaving really wrongly around them. So, so if you stand, if you're a right-hander, and you're in front of the audience, and the audience sees you to the right of the slide, right of the, the flip chart, and you try to write with your right hand, that's very awkward. What ends up happening? What ends up happening if you stand to the right at, from the audience's perspective and you're right-handed? So, so just to be clear, just so I visualize it. So if you are the presenter and you're right-handed, this situation you're talking about is your writing hand is nearest to the easel. Yeah, this is the wrong way. And I'm, I'm describing, yeah, exactly. Clear, right. Yeah, exactly. That's good. Thank you. That's why I wrote the headline of this is right handers stand to the left to right. And just to confuse people. So yeah, in this example, you're right. The, the, the easel is to my right. And from the audience perspective, it looks like it's to my left. Right. And if I try to write with my right hand, the only way I can do it is to do a full pivot and to essentially put my back in front of the audience. But nobody wants to do that because of this fear they have about turning their back on the audience. It's not that the audience is a, is a live animal or anything, although it can be. And then also not standing in front of the audiovisual. Well, look, if you do that, you're going to end up not facing your stuff. Your writing is not going to look good and you're, you're going to be awkward and uncomfortable. It's going to take longer and not be effective. So you stand. And by the way, you can always, you can gesture with either hand. And so the fact that you're gesturing with your right hand or your left hand at any given time, whether there's a marker in it or not, is really not important. And by the way, if you're doing this and you have a marker in your hand, don't put your slide projector 
a slide remote in your other hand, just put it down because the slides hopefully are muted. They're, you've darkened your screen. But, but the right way is you stand from the audience perspective. You stand to the left of, of the easel. The, the audience sees the easel to the right of you. And so that means the easel is at your left and you're facing the audience. And then you ask the audience to engage with you on something to be interactive and you turn 180. And now you're not standing directly in front of the easel. You're standing, as the audience sees, still to the left of the easel, but your right hand is in front of the easel and it's writing and you're writing, okay? And when you do that, it's very easy to write. Yes, your back is turned to the audience, but you can't write neatly without turning your back to the audience, unless you're a contortionist, and I've never seen that before. Again, I've seen people try, but they don't do it well. And uh, you you write, and then you're able to turn. Basically, what you do, if when, we're, when we're in a master's class, we teach pivoting on your left foot, believe it or not. You pivot on your left foot, and you back away from the, from the, uh, from the easel and turn and face the audience again. And you're ready to pivot at any time on your left foot and go back to writing on the easel. And yes, you can talk to the audience with your back turned on them, like we recommend you do when you're facilitating ground rules or facilitating any sort of brainstorming session. But generally, standing to the left of the easel from the audience's perspective makes it easier so that when you do turn around, as you have to in order to write neatly and clearly, it's much easier. And now your body is not in front of the easel, but your hand is. And that's what's important. Right. And so if you're right-handed... And so you're you're facing the audience. Your easel is on your left. We recommend that you know you gesture with the hand closest to the easel. So that means if you're right-handed, you've got to get comfortable with gesturing with your left hand. Oh, is that? Do you think that's a problem? Oh, I oh I absolutely do. Oh, okay. Absolutely. Oh, I haven't. I I you know what? I guess I've just been doing this so long. I'm so used to gesturing with my left hand, I don't even think about it. But yeah, if that's a problem for you presenters, you have to be you have to be an ambi turner, an ambi gesturer, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You got to be able to gesture with both hands, depending on which side of the the stuff you're standing on, right? And, and by yeah. the way, this gets us to our next point, right? It, by definition, if you're going to use a flip chart, it is completely okay to face your audiovisual. You don't stand between your audiovisual, the, the easel, and your audience because you're writing on it with your arm and your hand, not your whole body. And so you stand slightly to one side or the other, depending upon when you're left or right-handed. And, and your arm is essentially covering uh, what you're writing at various times. But you do have to face your flip charts or, and put differently, turn your back on your audience. When you are writing on them, if you're done writing on them, don't keep talking about them while facing them. Turn back around, pivot on your on your left foot if you're a right-hander, and your right foot if you're a left-hander, and face back to the audience to make your point um, while you're not facing the slides or the, the, I'm sorry, the flip charts. Good. And we made the point earlier that we want to do, we want to write neatly on the flip charts. But, you know, frankly, sometimes it's okay to be messy. You know, for those things that you're, you want to create and post during the presentation, so agenda and things like that are on the wall, then neat and straight and easily able to read is key. Good. But if we're yeah. taking notes, especially for brainstorming, you know, it's okay to be less than neat. We, we don't let's don't let the neatness get in the way of being effective when it comes to things like brainstorming. 
Yeah, you you can write in the margins. You can draw pictures that are hard to understand unless somebody was there. You can abbreviate. You can use colors to highlight it, even though it might get hard to read later. You can circle things to make your point, even if you're crossing through other things. The messiness actually adds value to the brainstorming or any sort of interactive capturing we're doing, believe it or not. Attendees will remember better based on where something is and how it is written than what is actually written. They'll say, oh, I remember that. Joe said this, and then you added that because it's it's much more the, like the way your brain stores things. Your brain does not store the written word uh, in nice, nice, neat, straight lines. Your brain stores information largely visually. And so that anything you write that's messy could, as long as it's, it's legible to someone, uh, is actually a better way to capture something that you need for memory later. Right. Okay, our next point is if you're recording, post the full sheets. And this, this sounds kind of simple, but... Nevertheless, don't capture a sheet of ideas or gather input for a poll or answers to a question and then just roll one sheet on top of the other and then go on from there. If there's any chance at all, any chance at all that the information is going to be valuable during the rest of the meeting, then you're going to you're going to take the that piece of paper, you're going to tear it off and then you go tape it on a wall somewhere so somebody can refer to it. Or ask for help to have somebody do that for you, right? Oh, that's even better, right? Because then you can get on with it. Exactly. And, and look, if you're if you're going to work with a list, and and surely we are. If we're, I mean, we're not just making a list for a random reason and just turning it over. Then again, it doesn't do any good to hide it as as you create it. Get some tape, and you know. Now there are times when we would use post-it notes if for this part, you know, the big post-it sheets. If in fact we're just going to tear one off and slap it up on the wall and and so on. Uh, but using tape is just fine, and we you know manager tools travels with tape, career tools travels with tape everywhere we go. Post it on the wall. And, and look, you can even post it. If you're only going to use two sheets, if you know you're only going to fill up two sheets, just tape it to pull it off the, the easel and tape it to the, the tray at the bottom of the easel as long as everybody can see it. And then you've got both sheets hanging on the easel in front of you. Yeah. And this, this adds just a, a, a great deal of energy and interactiveness to the meeting. When folks, it, you know, it looks like when you walk into the meeting, if you, if you weren't there at the beginning, you walked halfway through and all of a sudden you see 20 or so of these sheets hanging up on the walls. It looks like work is getting done. Yeah. And people feel that way inside the meeting. They feel like they're getting, they're accomplishing things. So it works. Yeah. And and if you're one of those people that's very perfectionist oriented and you don't want to hang things up that are crooked or whatever, uh, that's fine. But you're making a mistake because people know that the world is not straight. It's not linear. It's not perpendicular. And it's okay to hang things up messily. If you've ever been to one of our conferences, one of our effective manager conference or effective communication conferences, you've seen it. We hang things on the wall. They get messy. And people walk in and go, wow, this looks different. This feels different. And actually what we say is, yeah, what, actually what you mean is it's better. <laughs> Dif- <laughs> different in this case is better. And I've been doing yeah, this. I've been using this. I've been using flip charts for 20 years. They work like a charm. People feel close to them. They feel it's much more intimate and it enhances you, de-emphasizes your slides. It's a total no-brainer. I want to make one final point, Mike, even though it's not in the show notes, and that is about easels. There are some people who believe that an artist's tripod is an easel and that's not we don't recommend you allow, don't allow your, someone to talk you into either your company or a hotel or a conference allow you to use an easel that is nothing more than a tripod that doesn't have a back that the flip chart will be up against you cannot write on a flip chart that is just up against what amounts to just like a little tripod with a little couple of little hooks on it that you can set a, a flip chart pad on. You need the pad to be hanging off of, you know, off of the hooks at the top or, or some studs that the holes in the flip chart pad stick through. 
and there's a pad, there's a metal pad or a wooden pad as big as the whole pad of flip chart paper so that you're writing against something solid the whole time. I'm often given easels that are really just these collapsible tripods and I won't use them. I, I simply won't. I'd rather tape 10 sheets up to the wall blank and go to each one, one at a time and then move to them. And you can do that as well, uh, to get away from slides at the front of the room also. And, and, uh, just because I hate those easels, they just don't work. They're not really flip chart easels. They're artists tripods or something. Yeah. And it, they, they don't work in the, the paper's falling off of it and your writing can't be neat when you're doing yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Work. Yep. Good. Okay. And then our last point we wanted to cover in this topic is to gesture with your nearer hand. And I already, and unfortunately, I already kind of ruined a little bit because I talked, I, I mentioned that earlier. We were talking about where to stand relative to the easel. Yeah. There's no, there's no ruining this because we could say it a hundred times and we could just make a cast of saying this over and over again and it would be totally justified. <laughs> and, and so our point here is what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> hand nearest to the easel. Yeah, because, and look, it's a pet peeve of mine because breaking the guidance leads presenters to turning their backs on the audience and talking to the slides and facing the slides and reading the slides, all while diminishing ourselves and then promoting the projection of our slides and, and, and the logic in the slides rather than the persuasion that we bring to the table. If the visual aid you wish to reference is on your left, forget about the audience. If it's on your left, use your left hand to gesture towards it. If it is to your right, wherever you are in the room at a time, use your right hand to gesture toward it. It's a simple technique, keeps us, our bodies open to the audience and makes our slides, believe it or not, it demotes our slides and makes them support us rather than the other way around. And I just tell you, too many people don't know it and they think they should gesture with a hand with the remote in it or they should gesture with a hand with a marker in it or they should gesture only with their right hand and it's wrong. And by the way, you don't gesture by pointing with your finger, you gesture with your, gesture with your palm open and all your fingers and thumbs generally extended, although not rigidly. It would be as if you would put your hand, if you held your hand out in front of you, palm up, what you would do if you were asking someone to put a quarter in it, just a very relaxed hand with your hands closed. That's kind of how you gesture. Your fingers don't need to be exactly together, but you don't need to point with your finger because if you're 10 feet away from something, that rigid pointing is irrelevant because people don't know exactly where you're pointing on the slide. Gesture toward the slide as if to remind people that it's there. Gesture toward the flip chart, but you're not trying to point out any specific thing. Although on a flip chart, if you're standing right next to it, if you're standing, if the flip chart is to your left, you can point at something at the flip chart. And yes, in my career, I've actually walked up the slides and pointed to something on a slide if I was that close to the slides at a given time. But generally you want to avoid that point with the hand or, or gesture with the hand nearer to your audiovisual. This is the most frequent mistake presenters make leading as we've mentioned before, to the biggest mistake that people make, which is facing the slide and therefore promoting our visuals and making the, wor the, the, the worst mistake at all of, of reading them. Um, we ought to be the presentation, not the supporting materials becoming the presentation. That's the underlying theme. And when you start thinking that way, you'll start realizing how important preparation is. Good. Okay. So let's wrap it up. Okay. So slides, you don't really need to project them. But if you do, please don't project them above you. They're rare, rare, rare exceptions. Don't stand in front of them, but that doesn't mean you can't walk through them. Mute them, darken your screen whenever you can. Don't face your slides. And then, of course, don't read them. Uh, and folks, you really don't need a laser pointer, uh, but you do need a remote. When it comes to flip charts, prepare for what you can in advance. Write neatly when you do. 
only use them in small groups. Generally, we recommend doing it in the center of the room, bringing them to the center of the room, and then promoting them and de- demoting them as you need them. Right-handers stand to the left of them in order to write on them. Uh, do face your flip charts when you're writing on them. Sometimes it is okay to be messy with flip charts, which is kind of nice and real and human. And then if you're recording, make sure you post those full sheets in the wall. Don't just roll them over and and, and lose the, the interaction you just had. And of course, as I, we just covered, please gesture with your nearer hand. Perfect. Hey, folks, this is a bunch of really simple things to do, but it will make you a much more effective presenter. And frankly, this is a small enough number of things that look, you can start doing almost all these things in your very next presentation. And if that's too much, if you're not a good presenter, do one in the next presentation, see how good it feels, get used to it, and then add another one. You've got time. If you're presenting once a week, in the course of a year, you could become masterful and you could make a point. You could even include it as a coaching thing for your boss. You know, hey, I want to get better. I want you to watch me get better. I'm going to work on some of these things. And then you're actually working on specific behaviors rather than on, and this is why manager tools and career tools is the way it is. We're not teaching you how to promote yourself as a presenter. We're teaching you what to do that will cause you to be promoted and cause your slides to be demoted. Good. So start now because next week on Career Tools, we'll have something else we can start working on. That's right. <laughs> All right, my friend. Every week. Thanks, partner. Bye-bye. Thanks, everyone. That's it. Thanks for joining us. One note before we go. We're proud to announce that we've recently released the Manager Tools interviewing series, everything you need to know about how to interview on CD. That's right. Now, not only can you get all the information online, but we have an audio CD program as well for your listening enjoyment. If that interests you, please check it out on the website, www.managertools.com. See you there. So long, folks. We'll see you next week.